0: Thank you, Vlad. Um, Honoured to be invited to preach this morning. <laughs> I, was in a, I was abroad last weekend and um, I shared with the first service and some of the guys during the week that it's amazing. Sometimes we end up doing things we don't plan to do or we don't want to do. And, uh, well, sometimes we want to do things, but we just really haven't got the space or, you know, it's just life is full of stuff. But, um, but God just does amazing things as we're obedient to him. And we're excited about this series, Daring to Grow. And the title this morning is Inspired by Eternity. And the, the team, we've got a great team in this church of communicators and, and uh, support team and, and volunteers. I think we should celebrate our volunteers in this church this morning. Come on. Uh, you know, I, I can't isolate anyone. But um, just the heart of the church to serve. And um, it's just tremendous. The church is. It is what it is. And if you're new to our church this morning, we know that you will sense God's presence here. If you are alive, you will sense God's presence. <laughs> Down to you. But, because we get that spoken to us constantly, that God is, seems like he's in these meetings. And things happen. People's lives get touched. People turn to, to Jesus, put their trust in him. So, miracles happen from time to time. The unusual happens. We try not to prescribe anything. We just let God be the boss and We put Jesus Christ as the head of his church, and that's our plan, and that's our desire. So this morning, as we're inspired by eternity, it's a different kind of message, really, because we're wor- working our way through the the book of the letter, the book of 2 Corinthians, um, and not. I don't believe many churches have, have preached on this particular, as a series, uh, like we've been doing. And uh, this ties nicely with our, our theme, which is Daring to Grow, uh, daring represents the values, it's an acronym, D-A-R-I-N-G, are the, are the, is the acronym for the values we as a church carry. And so when we talk about partnership, as Vlad was mentioning a few minutes ago, that partnership is, is based on that foundation of values that we've got in our church. And on that value foundation, we explore, we find out what God is giving us as opportunities. And, and uh, ministries are growing constantly in the church. And and, uh, but we're not foolish either. We want, we want to do things in good order. And we want to be in unity. We want to make the right steps at the right time. And, and we will take risks, and faith is based on risk. But we'll do it knowing that God's in it, not because we've just got some wide, weird and wild idea. So anyway, we'll get into this topic this morning. I, I, because I was away last weekend, uh, I went back and listened to the, the message that uh, Vlad brought. It's a good message. encourage you to listen to it on podcast if you, or on our website. Um, but he mentioned... Um, a few verses that I really was inspired by myself at the end of chapter four. It says, "Our bodies are dying, and our spirits, but our spirits are being renewed every day." It's a great picture there. It's a great picture of, of um, actually, you know, life has a journey. A physical life has a journey, and uh, and and God brings in a process of changing us on the inside. Uh, and His Spirit is deposited in us, and change should happen. If your life is not changing, no matter how old you are, as someone who follows Jesus Christ. If it's not changing, why not? It should be changing. There should be change every day. There should be change every week. Every year, there should be something happening in your life because God won't sit back and let that investment in you just be wasted. He's got a plan for your life. And and Vlad nicely made a reference to Michelangelo and about the marble sculptures and freeing the human form that's trapped inside the blocks. And sometimes that freeing the form can be painful. Uh, But I remember seeing Michelangelo's David at the Uffizi, um, uh, well, whatever it was, museum I suppose it was, down in Florence. Amazing thing. But if you ever look at the Michelangelo, who's, who's, who's seen the David statue in real life? Do you know the eyes? They look they look in two different directions, don't they? Have you ever noticed that? You can't, Because you can't actually see the David. It's a huge, big statue. You can't see it head on because you see from one side or the other. And Michelangelo was so smart, he made the eye on one side look down at the people looking and the eye on the other. So in other words, the thing is looking two different directions. So anyway, there's a, there's a thought. But, um, you know, God is chiseling away at our lives. Some of us need a bit of chiseling, I'll tell you. I know some of you. I know what your diets are like. Could do with a bit of chiseling. But, um, but why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, well, you look good this morning. <laughs> obviously doing a lot of chiseling. So we're going to get into this topic then this morning, inspired by eternity. And uh, who likes films? I like the film Gladiator. And it's got so many biblical kind of macho kind of alpha male, you know, testosterone, chopping the bad guys into pieces. And it's got all that, hasn't it? And then you've got this deep kind of passion for, for righteousness, well not righteousness, but justice really, and and, and Maximus, the, the general, um, the commander, Russell Crowe. <laughs> um, you know, and he loses his wife in the story, of course. If you haven't seen the film, i will just wrecked it for you. But anyway, um, so Gladiator is a favorite film of mine. And I, I was thinking about this last week, talking to some people about it. And I remembered this quote in my head. And I was thinking, where in the Bible does it say what we do in life echoes in eternity? I kept thinking, where in the Bible does it... Say, and I realised it wasn't. It's in Gladiator. Uh, so, so I thought, well, i better preach from Gladiator this morning. So, but no, I mean, that, that's, that expression does so pattern biblical principle. You know, our lives uh, will echo in eternity. There's an echo. There is something of our lives which does influence eternity. In fact, in fact, a lot of our lives influences eternity. And because this chapter 5 talks all about eternity... We are suddenly going from human stuff to suddenly supernatural stuff. And it's quite a big jump. The Apostle Paul, who wrote to the Corinthians, he's literally going through how God is shaping you, changing you, chiselling the stuff off your life, and you're going through the journey of some challenges, some frustrations, but it's all for good. And all of a sudden he talks about you're suddenly going to have great new bodies. And it's so weird as a, a changing conversation. But the great thing about this series is we're looking systematically through this, this book and this chapters, these chapters in particular. And we've come against this chapter and so we're going to talk about it. And hopefully it will inspire some of you this morning. I'm going to read the first ten verses. Because our future is a very, very exciting future. Our future. Do I hear an amen this morning? Amen. There are, you know, if I could sort of unleash passion. <laughs> unleash passion in the room. Not superficial, but just kind of open the, the cork and just let out what's inside you. And I know we do that in worship, but there's no harm in being non-British in this church. You know, of, of letting your passion go. Uh, we could do with some African passion. Amen. We could do with some... Do I, do we, well, come on, I like that, Jacoba. What, <laughs> do that again. Amen. Now, we're really boring in this church. But we like passion, and there's no reason why loving God and loving Jesus shouldn't be full of passion, because it's so exciting. And when we look at this topic, it's a bit out there. And you think, well, what's all this got to do with anything? But we'll, we'll look at it. But, but when you know the Spirit of God is in you, and you know the changes that God is making in your life, you start to get very, very excited, even though you have troubles. But then, when you see what the plan is, you start to get really excited. So let's work through this. 2 Corinthians 5, 1-10. to For we know that this earthly tent, that's our bodies, by the way, that's just Paul's language. We know that this earthly tent we live in is taken down. That is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Verse 5. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Verse 7. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. This is all, oh, the word body must be in there. I mean, don't count it because it will distract you from the service, but, but it must be in there, what, 10, 15 times. It's, it's like every, it's more than that probably. Body, 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 body beautiful. And um, we're going to ex- try and explore this and just open it up. I think sometimes God just wanna say, wants to say to us, guys, life is tough, but there's an eternity out there and that eternity is much bigger than your life. No matter what the struggles. You may be in here today, you may be absolutely sick to death of church. Literally sick to death. Maybe you've experienced bad things in in your church experience. Maybe. I don't know. Our goal in this place is to bring Jesus Christ right into the middle of everything we do. To honour him and let him guide us and let his spirit breathe through us. And that's what's happening to people. They're being touched by him. And sometimes when we have tough things in our life, that come along, we, we build walls, we, we isolate ourselves, we create distraction, we build a tower around ourselves, we go and find other things to do. We, we distract ourselves with stuff because we don't really want to face God sometimes. But God wants us to face him because he loves us. He wants you to break down the walls. He wants you to be soft again. He wants your hearts to be gentle. He wants, your, he wants you to really know who he is. And, and this chapter helps us to see that that there's a future that God has got planned. It's way bigger than this earth. Your four score years and ten, or whatever it may be, you know, 50 to 100, whatever, whatever age you live, maybe longer, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's an eternity out there. And the pain that we go through is, is big and real. But there's an eternity that's even more real. And if we lose sight of it, everything's about whether we survive this earth. And uh, we're not going off into, into fairyland. We're talking about what God has said is going to happen. And we know that he is real, and we know that he's in our lives. And we know that um, God has a plan. So the first point I want to look at is heavenly bodies. I know a few heavenly bodies, and my wife has a heavenly body. <laughs> She's not here to take the benefit of that compliment, but I'm sure one or two of you will pass it on in due course. Um, um, a heavenly body is not a planet. It's not a beauty queen. It is what you are going to have, in the future. If you if you you know we sung songs this morning all about resurrection. We've had communion this morning. We've celebrated the covenant that God has made with his people. We've celebrated the fact that Jesus Christ has died, that he was resurrected and that he is in heaven. We've celebrated all that in song and in the stuff we've done in this meeting, even with the dedication. We've we've honored God. What hope does Nathan James have if God is just a figment of our imagination? His destiny is tied up with the journey of discovering Jesus Christ. He'll have to make that decision. But so do adults in this room. You may be in here. You may be miles away from God. You may have walked away from him because you got frustrated or bitter. Or you may never have even met him. But you're sensing there's something a little bit different in this space. And and that's God's spirit navigating you. But we're going to just talk about these these things in a moment. But my wife uh, with the heavenly bodies (laughs) told me about something she'd seen on TV recently on The Chase... Um, a very innocent program about winning prize money, Um, and a woman was just about to win £10,000, or had just won it. And the the host said, what would you do if you won the £10,000? She thought for a moment, and said, I'd have a facelift. Oh, that's okay. Not for me, for my husband. (laughs) So, uh, it's always the other person, isn't it, that that isn't up to scratch. So, um, (laughs) there you go. So, But, you know, when we talk about... Let's talk about this body thing for a second. The world is fixated by bodies. The body, beautiful. Muscle beach. um, Weightlifting. I go to the gym. I try to once or twice a week just to keep myself relatively in trim. And there's one guy down there. I mean, he's as ripped as I've ever seen. And he goes every single day for three hours a day. I just don't know what life he's got. But, you know, he seems to love it. You know, all this stuff. Um, This stuff and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, Anyway, maybe I should do more of that stuff. But then I'd have to get a new suit. I wouldn't get into my... So the world is fixated by bodies and actually the fragility of life, the shortness of life. And the older you get, the more you realise life is short. Life is short, but God has got an eternal plan. And he's going to do something for you. In verse 1 it says, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself. That's, That's what you will wear. This isn't like a little villa somewhere on the Costa del somewhere in heaven. um, But it's made by God himself and not by human hands. God is preparing. Now, you may have afflictions in this life. You may have had physical infirmity. I believe when we get to heaven, all of that stuff gets cleared up. And the perfect you will be visible. The perfect you. Maybe you've lost a child in the course of childbirth. That child, I believe... God has got his hand on their lives. I believe you'll see things you never imagined in heaven. And God wants us to understand what heaven is going to be like. God has got a place prepared for those who are able to understand him and put their trust in him. And I'll tell you this God has made, is making these bodies himself. He's doing it for. This isn't, each one is unique. You are unique. I believe God has made people unique for that purpose, that God is preparing a plan for us. So, um, God himself is doing that but we talk about resurrection it says in Philippians 3 we are citizens of heaven that's a now present tense statement we are, we're not citizens of the EU all right? we can decide on that on the 23rd we're, we're not in a sense we are humanly speaking yes we are we're part of all sorts of different relationships NATO, the UN, the UK you might be Welsh you make a big thing about that they're not in here are they? Robin, <laughs> so we can talk all about the Welsh I'm sure we beat them on rugby recently, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, So we are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. In a sense, we are citizens of this earth, and we live in this earth, but our our future eternity is about heaven. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour, that's Jesus. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. And so I'm just going to take a few minutes to explain that you will have a body like Jesus has a body. You will. Uh, Moses and Elijah were on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they also appeared like Jesus appeared. And so what do we read? We'll find that in just a moment. But it says, Our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. This is in the earlier, uh, books of, or earlier book of Corinthians. Um, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. It will not, we will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. God has got this all worked out. It's happening. It's being prepared. He's doing it for you right now. It's happening, even though you may not feel like it or you may not see it. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. God has a plan. Heaven is not a fluffy cloud. There is stuff going to be happening in God's presence for eternity that takes you know, it's completely different to the stuff you and I do day to day. But I think there'll be all sorts of things that God is preparing for us to do. It won't be just singing around and wearing dresses. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be an active environment. You know, when Moses and Elijah on Mount Transfiguration, they radiated the glory of Jesus Christ there. And Jesus himself radiated, he looked different. And it's a wonderful secret. But we shouldn't be quiet about this. We don't often talk about this sort of stuff in church. And we've, I don't ever us ever remember talking about this in this church. But God um, is telling us today about this future that he has planned for us. But Jesus had a body. And let's just look at some of the characteristics of his resurrected body. So Jesus died. He was sinless. And death killed Jesus Christ. Death is a spiritual thing. And it destroyed the life, well, it killed the physical life of Jesus. But he was raised from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, God gave him this supernatural physical or supernatural body that was going to be that eternal body. And we know some things about it. Um, it was visible, and he walked around. So he's not like a ghost. In fact, verse 15 says, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. And um, it's, he's able to speak, verse 36 in Luke 24. He said, peace be with you. He said, touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. It's interesting that... that Resurrected bodies can move between heaven and earth. I just wonder. Maybe we, you know, there's a whole dimension here and we just don't understand. I was in Austria, as I said earlier uh, last weekend, and I I met an, an Iranian guy who's just been in Austria for a few months. He said something to me that was extraordinary. He'd been baptized that morning as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. On last Saturday morning, he was baptized. He was part of a Mennonite church. In Vienna, which is a very traditional type of church and I was curious to know why he'd ended up there and I honoured this guy because from a Muslim background to come to faith in Jesus is a pretty big deal but when we sat down in the evening we sat up to one in the morning just talking and I realised that he pastorally wanted some information he wanted to have some signposting and somehow it was we spent time chewing a fat over resurrection and what God's done for him. We didn't talk about Jesus' body. We talked about the gifting that God gives and the way he asked for one tip. What's the one tip he said that you would give me? I said, learn to hear God's voice and do something about it. Don't just... And he you know, he was hearing God's voice all the way through his recent life. This guy was a street fighter. Um, he was a similar age to me, about 30. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the old ones are the best, right? <laughs> And... Uh... He was a, you know, he'd lost some of that physique, but he, you know, he had his moments, and he was a really, you know, he, was a, look, he could look after himself, this guy. But he was real as well. And he said, I, I arrived in Vienna, and he said, I know people are coming to Jesus Christ. And I shouted to God, I said to him, I want to find you. I need someone to help me find you. This is an Iranian Muslim saying, I need to find you, God. And he's, he's shouting, he's telling me, I got so angry with God I told him I want to find him and he won't let me find him. How does that happen? How does that happen? Maybe you know God and, and you're, taking, you're just too relaxed about what you know. This guy wanted to know the truth and he's shouting to God, well, crying out, God, help me find some people who can tell me about you. I want to find you. And he did. He found this Mennonite church. What an odd combination. He never imagined that could happen. But they were teaching people how to speak German. And in Vienna. So in a sense, he got drawn into that social opportunity and he realised they spoke good English and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. he said to me, do you know that if you took a survey in Iran today and you said to everybody, every adult in Iran, gave him a piece of paper and said, tick the Muslim box or tick the I want to be a follower of Jesus box, he said 80% of the adults in Iran would tick the I want to follow Jesus box. Now, you probably can't make sense of that. I was staggered when I heard it. He said, that whole nation is changing so fast to following Jesus, it's mind-blowing. He said, that's why when I got to Vienna, I assumed I'd find someone who could help me out. And there's a lot of Catholics in the country, and he just wasn't getting the guidance. In the end, he he got it, and he came to faith. Isn't that extraordinary? I tell you, we don't know what's going on. In the Middle East, there's so much happening amongst uh, people from a Muslim background, different ethnical backgrounds come into faith in Jesus and they're actually doing it without human intervention and human beings are being, playing catch up and God's trying to get us in, in front of them so it's extraordinary what God's doing so let's have a look at these verses so, um, so we know that Jesus' body able to speak flesh and bones able to eat he said Mate, prepare me some broiled fish and it says the disciples sat there and watched him as he ate I wonder why they thought bits were going to drop out maybe you know it's a bit like I don't know I suppose it was just so much to take on. And for us, it's hard to picture this possibility for the future. But Jesus was able to vanish at will. It said he appeared, and then he disappeared. That's interesting, isn't it? You could turn up in all sorts of different places. Um, he was able to enter locked rooms. I don't know, did he go through walls? Did he, did he just, I don't know, he just, I suppose... Physically speaking, nothing holds you back when you've got a supernatural body. Well, this is what God is preparing for those who love Jesus Christ. For those who have surrendered their life to Christ, who have made him Lord and Saviour, this is part of their future. We don't become Christians to get all this, but this is what God is doing for us. He wants us to be aware of it. It's interesting, though, um, You know, the world is so into, into cosmetics and looking good, and they miss... They missed some stuff. But I just thought out of curiosity, this is just a curiosity. You know me, I go off at tangents sometimes. Uh, you know the world cosmetics industry, the global cosmetic spend is $460 billion. That's huge, isn't it? In 2014, that was two years ago, so it's, much, it's probably half a billion, sorry, it's probably 500 billion now. And the majority of that is on skincare. It's amazing. Skincare is consuming that much finance. They estimate that by 2020... The global spend on, on cosmetics will be 675 billion dollars, and if over one third is on skincare, that means 200 billion dollars a year has been spent on creams to make you last longer. Well, people, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? But look at the Oxfam comment. They estimate that 60 billion annually would would end extreme global poverty, a quarter of the income of the top 100 richest billionaires. The world's got it all wrong. And God's got to sort this world out. It's got its priorities all in the wrong place. But look, if you really want a great complexion, verse verse 28 in Luke 29, Jesus took Peter, John and James up to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed. (laughs) Now, I know I'm being a bit tongue in cheek there, but the point is this, praying makes you younger. I'm convinced. (laughs) Prayer is where the? What do we do, church? We pray all the time, don't we? Prayer is where the? It's only by praying that some of the things that you need to see in your life happen, will happen. You've got to pray. We pray every week. We have prayer and fasting every quarter. We pray, pray, pray. Why do we pray? Because Jesus is the boss and his spirit is guiding us into the supernatural, how to pray and what needs to change. And you are sitting there and you're in this church, you're visiting this church, and God has given you a mouth and given you a heart and given you a spirit. Why? Because he wants you to be engaged in his kingdom. So, Interesting days. Let's move away from cosmetics. Number two, the Holy Spirit. God's given us this deposit as a guarantee. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Verse six, so we are always confident. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence. Maybe your confidence in religion. Maybe your confidence in Christianity. Confidence in the church. Maybe your confidence in life is shot to bits. Maybe, maybe your confidence needs renewing. I like it what it says in that little red box up there. Um, confidence comes not from always being right, but, but not, sorry, com- confidence comes not from always being right, but not fearing to be wrong, so it's that not fearing getting it wrong, which is where your confidence can build, so we've got to get to grips with that, we got to, now I was amazed, I was um, looking at my daughter's, um, perhaps I shouldn't do this as a dad, I have a 14 year old daughter who's not in here, she's in our new, have you seen our new room over the other side? We've knocked the walls down upstairs. Hooray. <laughs> We've opened up a brand new space. We've taken out an office and uh, we're reshaping the church so we can get more people in. And the first service, there were so many um, of the younger youth that went out. It's just a whole load of them went out. And so they've got a better space. They're still in, I think they're in my office at the moment, probably wrecking it. But, um, but anyway, always have confidence. Have confidence. And I was looking at my daughter's phone. And there's a picture suddenly appeared. And lo and behold, it's Caroline. It's Caroline in here? Oh, I can talk about it. So, uh, so Caroline's... Did anybody... I don't know, what's it called? Snapchat or where you get a photograph? Instagram. Well, Caroline's standing there with a... what looks like a boa constrictor around her neck. A yellow snake about six foot long. Did anyone see that? I'm thinking, and Caroline's smiling. I'm thinking, uh, not for me. Not for the faint-hearted. Well, she's obviously got confidence. She said, oh, no, I don't mind snakes. Spiders, I don't know, but anyway, you know, extraordinary what people will do when their confidence um, increases. But God wants to restore confidence; He wants your confidence restored. Confidence will create a new climate in your life. Confidence creates climates. Did you know that? When I was with this church in Vienna, in Austria, we weren't in Vienna; we were up in the Alps. There was a confidence about the retreat that I was on that lifted the, the the time together. The energy was amazing smaller group than we got here this morning, even in this service, it was a smaller group. There were some unsaved there. There were people who were exploring what it is to to know Jesus Christ. And, um, And there were some real needs in that room, but their confidence was high. Their confidence was up. They were vocal about their confidence. I think they lacked confidence in some areas. But over that weekend, it was absolutely astonishing. God ministered powerfully. Everyone that I could see that I was aware of that... Arrived at that retreat that hadn't given their lives to Christ, left giving their lives to Christ. Every single one of them responded to the gospel. Absolutely amazing, and God did amazing works in the supernatural. And again, we don't go looking for that, but we've seen people healed on some of our mission trips and sometimes in the church. But there were people set free from controlling spirits and all sorts of things. And you know that we don't major on that; it just happens as a byproduct. But God set people free, released people's lives. It was extraordinary. So confidence is important. And confidence in that place enabled their faith levels to go up. For we we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. So twice in these verses, Paul's making uh, this comment about confidence. It's the only thing that's kind of normal about these ten verses, is the, the, the fact that confidence is critical in our journey as believers. God's sorting out the new bodies thing. He's sorting out eternity. He's sorting out the eschatology. But we have got to have confidence. If our confidence is gone, then you will live small lives. If confidence goes, your life gets smaller and smaller. If your confidence grows, it gets bigger and bigger. It's not believing the unbelievable, but living by God's promises. Faith is doing what God says he's going to do in your life and living by that. And everyone can do that. All you have to do is respond to him. And just put your confidence in him. So confidence creates new climates. It creates, do you want something to change in your life? Build your confidence. It's amazing what happens. You know what it's like when you suddenly get buzzed up about something. Suddenly you've got your boulders brass, you go into situations, you make things happen. Well, God wants you to be confident in your faith. He's, that's why he's talking about these future bodies. So confidence. Confidence is important. And the final part, and we'll look at this briefly, is judgment. Why does Paul bring judgment right into this conversation? Because it's part of eternity. And every believer will stand before Jesus Christ. And Paul makes this reference in verse 7. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due. For what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. God has invested in your life. God has put his spirit in your life to produce something. He's put it in your life to be fruitful. He's put um, himself in your life to produce change in your life and change in other people's lives. Present day actions have eternal implications. And God is going to honour what you do with what... So those of you who are on the GDP course, Gift, Discovery and Purpose, that is right, isn't it? Um, It's not the economics of Europe. or GDP, Gift, Discovery and Purpose. When you are feeling equipped, you then need to be accountable. Not to me and not to the church, it's to Jesus Christ. Because he's equipping you for acts and works of service. He's, he's giving you ministry and he wants you. And it says as clear as the writing is black and white, that we will stand before Jesus Christ. And he, Paul knew what this thing was. This beamer seat was in Corinth. He's writing to the Corinthians and in the centre of the market square was a whopping great rostrum in the market square in in Corinth right where these people lived that was uh, ornately um, presented. It looked like it was a very grand thing right in the centre of the market square. And that is where the senior people presented the awards for success. So if there was a victory over something, it would be honoured. If there was a success in games, it would be honoured. If there was something that someone had done great in the community, they would honour it there. And that's what God's planning to do with you. It's a place where they make decisions about who should be honoured for what they've done. And God's plan is not to call it judgment to make it look like a negative. He wants to celebrate what you've done with him in your life. And if you've just withdrawn from what he's doing in your life, or you're hiding, or maybe you've never even encountered him yet... God wants to celebrate the future that you haven't even discovered yet. The experience that you haven't even discovered exists. There's a whole plan for you. So don't get buried in your job. Don't get buried in, in difficult relationship situations. Don't get buried in all that stuff. Now, I know we've got to live. We've got to work. We've got to have a relationship. But don't get buried in it. Find a way. God says, I'll always provide you with a route through these difficulties. Why? Because God's got a plan. And he wants to sell. And this is public. This isn't private. You're not going to go into a little closet in heaven and go, hello, Jesus. He's going to go, right everybody, all 50 billion of you, have a look at what Adam did. Look what Anna did. Look what Graham did. Look at all the... In the private place, this guy gave his life for his family. In the private place, this person prayed to me and cried out for the lost. This person, despite their disability, reached unsaved people for me. This person, who only had a small amount of finance, gave everything they got for me. This person who, who had gone through a great emotional trial in their life and lost their closest friends still worshipped me, came to me, served me, listened to me, let themselves be guided by me. That's what Jesus, get away from me, I never knew you. You can play at church, but you can't play at relationship with Jesus. Because he will say in front of everybody, and he's looking to honour you. He's not looking to condemn you. He's looking to honour what you've done. Because he's expecting his investment in you to come as a return. Not commercial. You know why? Because he knows us so much. And that's why Paul's writing about this stuff. That's why Paul's right. God is looking to honour you. God is looking to give you appreciation for the Son of Man is going to come and his, with his angels in the glory of his Father. And, when, and then he will repay each person according to what he's done. God is looking reward. Some versions use the word reward in there. There's a reward for, a, for your, your working through your trials. So you don't do it for me, you don't do it for your mum or your dad or your wife, or your, you're doing it for God, but in it, God will change your life. And he'll change hundreds of people, thousands of people. How many people could we reach if we, if we just let God lead us? Just need to let him lead us. And maybe you're brand new, in this room has got brand new people in faith. I know, we've got people who only came to faith last week in this room. And you've got such an exciting journey ahead. God's going to look after your future. Your future's sealed. But let me just... I can't talk about judgment without talking about... There's another place of judgment in in end times. And we're going to touch it just for a moment. In fact, Band, if you could join me, because this is difficult to talk about. This is a difficult one. You know what it is. If you're a believer, you know that there's the great white throne judgment. But I can't talk about this this reward for what people have done without, without considering that other judgment. This isn't in the text... it is in Revelation. It says, John, who was on Patmos, said, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. I saw the dead both This is a difficult piece of scripture. I mean, it's a great piece of scripture because it tells us about our future, but it's difficult. And John said, I saw a great white throne with one sitting on it. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they'd done as recorded in the books. Verse 15, And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It's alright for us who know Jesus Christ as Lord because our name is in that book. And for that, we can celebrate and we, we will celebrate. I don't want to bring the, the tone down to heavy, but we celebrate your name. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, your name is in that book and we should get so excited. But as a leader, as a pastor, what overwhelms me is those whose names aren't in there yet or whose names aren't there or who may, should be there. I, I want more people in that book. Maybe they're there already. And we just got to go find them. But someone's got to do it. It's the church that Jesus has called to do that. This is part of his account. of, You'll get rewarded at the beamer seat for this good stuff you've done, but God wants to reach those who are not reached yet. God wants to do that. God wants to reach the unreached. He wants to reach them, and we are called to do that. So we're going to stand now. I don't want to bring this down, by the way. Let's celebrate on one hand. Let's celebrate that your name is in that book. But let's also know that God loves this world He loves the people of this world. He loves your friends, your neighbours. He loves the people that others don't love. He loves them. He loves them. And while we celebrate our security, there are people who are not secure out there. And God is drawing us as a church to be responsive to that. So so let's praise God. Let's sing a worship song and thank Him for that security. But let's ask ourselves, what is it that God is calling us to do? What is my responsibility? Where is the calling that God's putting on my life? Come on, this thing.